Welcome to Smartest Tells History. All right, enough with the echo and fanfare. You're here for history, right? And not that boring crap you learned in high school. This stuff's actually interesting. Like things you've never heard about the Civil War, Cleopatra, automobiles, Monopoly, the Black Plague, and more. Fascinating stories, interesting topics, and some downright weird facts from the past. It's a new twist on some stories you may know, and an interesting look at some things you may have never heard. So, grab a beer, kick back, and enjoy. Here's your host, Smarticus. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Smarticus Tells History, where we explore some of the most fascinating stories from history. I am your host, Smarticus, accompanied by my co-host, Phoenix. Hello. Today, we'll be discussing the Avengers. No, not the ones from Marvel. I am talking about the Jewish Avengers, who were a group of Holocaust survivors that, well, took matters into their own hands and sought justice against their Nazi oppressors. But first, we have this week's food item to discuss. This week, we are doing a famous Jewish recipe called matzah ball soup. (laughs) I love matzah ball soup. You've never had it? I've never had it. I've never even heard about it until we started doing this. Um, and uh, and I'm going to say it up front, like I told you earlier, um, I did not, like I, I totally cheated. Um, <laughs> I, I found a box that said matzo ball soup at the commissary. I bought it. I made it. I haven't tried it yet. Um, but that's what I did. So, And I know that there's going to be like, I, Surely there's other Jewish people, you know, like me, you know, they might be a little lazy. <laughs> so, Well, mom's not going to make it, so you might as well go ahead and make it yourself. But you only got some time. Right. Yeah, maybe yeah. there's a time limit involved. Oh, man. First time I ever had this that I remember. My mother will probably correct me, but. Uh, the first time I ever had it was from uh, my aunt-in-law, my husband's. Uh-huh. Uh, aunt right. actually works over in California. Uh, she worked with a Jewish community. I can't remember what they were doing. I, I bring this up now. But, yeah, I can't remember what they were doing, but uh, she was working with them and got really, really close and they were sharing recipes and stuff. I don't want to say cliche, but maybe they're having a bar mitzvah or something. Maybe. I, she's, she also is an ASL um, interpreter. So oh, she might okay. have been working with the community for that. I don't know. But... Uh, mm-hmm. She also grew up with the Jewish heritage and, and food, thanks to her mother's side of the family. What are you laughing for? So, I was just thinking, because um, you said, you know, she's an ASL interpreter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just thinking, you know, what are we? Well, we're 90s babies, or 80, you know, late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and ASL was always a big thing. So I was sitting here thinking, I was like, our listeners are probably going to think age, sex, location from like AOL. <laughs> so that's, that's what I just thought of. But no, that is, she is talking <laughs> about the sign language in case anybody was unaware or curious of, you know, was confused. Um, that is a sign language interpreter. Yes. In case they speak, wondering. they speak with sign language. Yes. American hands. sign language, uh, American sign language. Yeah, that's what it stands for. Yeah. So, Sorry, I didn't mean to, you know, I just, it That's just dawned funny. on me. That, yeah. Anyways, <clears throat> this, this um, is, good. so this, I, I'm interrupting again, but. No, it's okay. This tastes almost just like chicken noodle soup. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's my take on it. And 
And it's very good. The matzo crackers are, are huge. I mean, like the size of my face. Oh, really? And they're, yeah, they're kind of like a crispier, thinner um, saltine cracker. Okay. But they're kosher. So that reminds me. Okay, I don't know if they're kosher or not. Um, that reminds me of uh, MRE. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they'll have large, you know, four inch crackers in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are extremely dry. Um, <laughs> and it is, it's also a competition sometimes for them to, for people to see if they can eat both crackers. Oh my no gosh, no. At one time. <laughs> um, that's usually given to the new guy. But it made me laugh, yeah. Trial by fire. No. Yeah, yeah. Matzo ball soup is a traditional Jewish soup that is commonly associated with Jewish cuisine. It originated in Eastern Europe, particularly among Jewish communities in Poland and Ukraine. The soup is typically made from chicken broth or vegetable broth, and it features matzo balls, which are dumplings made from a matzo meal, which is ground unleavened bread, um, eggs, water, and fat, such as chicken fat or olive oil, like was what I, I used for mine. I uh, used uh, vegetable oil. Nice. Uh, the soup is often flavored with carrots, onions, celery, which is what I happen to have in mine. I don't have any of that, yeah. I just chopped a bunch of stuff and threw it in. So I started, yeah, so I had a recipe out, and I did have chicken um, caught in the refrigerator. Um, chicken legs. And I was gonna mm-hmm. go ahead and boil them up and uh, make the broth that way. Um, and get the parsley and stuff out. Uh, but then I was like, oh yeah, I bought this. Because I found a different recipe from I think it was a Food Network. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Which is usually my go-to place for recipes. Hmm. Um, and uh, they uh, I realized I didn't it called for like half a cup of parsley and I was like man that is a lot of parsley it is uh, a bit. most recipes call for like half a tablespoon you know something around there you know that's half a cup I didn't have half a cup and I was like well cilantro and parsley are almost the same thing no I didn't oh my god I thought about it <laughs> I thought about it. Um, I was I like, am, they're they're almost the same thing, but I am so not a fan of of cilantro. I mean, really? I can do it in small doses, mm-hmm. but it's it's like getting punched in the face by a bar of refreshing soap. I, I don't appreciate it, and I I just I'm not a fan. I don't mind it. To me, they taste almost the exact same. That's wild. Um, I mean, they're they're different, of course, but they it's it's very similar, right? Um, but uh, I was yeah. watching um, Diners, Drivers, and Dives the other day. Like, I, like I shared with oh, you, you, I texted you, told, you about. Yeah, it. you told me that. Yeah, I, I use it as a as a binge watching thing, so I can just put it on mm-hmm. and I can I can work. Mm-hmm. I look up and I'm like, oh look, beautiful food, and then I go back to working some more. Mm-hmm. And he actually went to somewhere in. New York City, no surprise there. Mm-hmm. Um, that had they were calling it the world famous matzo ball soup, and it was so funny because I got to thinking about it. It's the same kind of soup. It's so so simple and so homey, but it, it wouldn't be surprising. It's not sorry. It isn't surprising to find out that you can get it anywhere in the U.S. as well as over in Ukraine or right Poland. 
it's just kind of neat yeah no I agree yeah that's interesting because I wouldn't have thought really I mean most foods okay there's one universal food that I think for the most part you can find just about anywhere and I think that's pizza because I think no matter where you go people always there's always pizza right um and uh um I think the nice thing about matzo ball soup is that it really doesn't vary very much mm-hmm. from region to region. It's just simple. Everyone knows what it is. I was yeah. So when I was looking at the recipe, um, and even even the instructions, like it was extremely simple. It was mm-hmm. it was separate the eggs. Uh, well, it was boil the chicken. You know, make the broth, but then it was you know separate the eggs. Uh, put your you know your soup mix you know essentially your you know your parsley and all that um, into the boiling water make the you know make the soup um, and then just throw the dumplings in um, right you know make the dumplings you know super quick it was Which easy, is really you know, easy use to the, do use it yeah it was just use the uh, the egg whites and the uh, uh, shoot I forgot the rest of the recipe but the ground chicken and whatever <laughs> um, and there and just kind of comp it together and. And uh, throw it in there, and I was like, yep. "Wow!" It was uh, essentially kind of like—I mean, it's, I guess, just like regular dumplings. Okay, so we've had our matzo ball soup, it, and it is very tasty. Um, like <laughs> I said, it is like chicken noodle soup. But let's uh, let's get into the story here now, where we are talking about the Jewish Avengers or the Nakam. I'm sure there's a shlerach. In there, <laughs> yes, because um, it no, is Hebrew. Completely, for... honestly, completely no offense to the Jewish people. I just, this is, you know, I don't, I don't speak, I don't know. It's Jewish, Hebrew. I guess. Hebrew, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. think of the name. I was like, I know there's a name. It's not Jewish. It's, uh, yeah, Hebrew. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so the Jewish Avengers or the Nakam was a group of Jewish resistance fighters who banded together after the end of World War II in an effort to seek retribution against the Nazis who had committed atrocities against their people. Understandably, their mission was to track down and kill former SS officers and Nazi officials who had evaded justice. The group was founded by Abba Kovner, a Jewish resistance fighter who had fought against the Nazis in the Vilna Ghetto. After the war, Kovner traveled to Palestine, where he began to organize the Nakam. The group was made up of former partisans, soldiers, and concentration camp survivors who had all suffered at the hands of the Nazis. The Jewish Avengers attempted to carry out a number of targeted killings in Europe in the years following the war. Their most famous operation was the poisoning of bread at a prisoner of war camp in April of 1946. The bread was for German POWs at Linkwasser internment camp, which the Jewish Avengers had laced with arsenic. They hoped that it would kill over 2,000 German soldiers there, but only ended up making them terribly sick. No deaths were reported during this attempt. The Nakam believed that they were justified in their actions as they saw themselves as victims seeking justice against their oppressors. Kovner, who was known for his eloquence and passionately hypnotic way of putting their pain into words, was quoted as saying, The act should be shocking. The Germans should know that after Auschwitz, there can be no return to normality. The group felt that the Nazi war criminals had not been adequately punished for their crimes and that it was their duty to take matters into their own hands. If they didn't, another Holocaust-level genocide would surely be waiting around the corner. And you know, personally for me, because when I was doing some of the research and I was looking into 
what he was talking about, you know, the act should be shocking. I was sitting there thinking from my perspective, if I had gone through that and I had lost everyone I love, my mom, my my brothers, my husband, right. my kid, would I be as vindictive? Personally, I've done enough introspective work to know I probably would. Yeah. And I don't know that I that I wouldn't be crazy mad. I absolutely wouldn't go punisher on him for sure. Right. And that so then that brings up, you know, another point here. Um I don't know. Um have you ever been to the Smithsonian? No, I really want to. So when I was in the Navy, um this was back in let's see, I was in Ocean at the time and we drove out there. Um, had to have been 2008 because it was right after uh, high school boot camp. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in 2008, I got the opportunity. Um, I was stationed in Virginia Beach uh, in Oceana, um, and we drove up there to D.C. Um, to the Smithsonian. And at the Smithsonian, they have the Holocaust Museum. Mm-hmm. And we went in there, and uh, it's it's pretty hard to to not cry in there i mean right. you see all the all the atrocities and and everything that was done so uh if you ever get the chance to go i i highly recommend it it's it's a good museum to go see i, I was mean planning it, on it. In, anything in the smithsonian i mean it's, it's simply amazing but right um i was a little upset i did not have time to go and see this air and space museum um, <laughs> I, I know i would i'd love to go see that but yeah but <clears throat> we made it we made it to the uh Holocaust and the uh, um, the uh, you know the large aquarium that they have there and mm-hmm. and uh, we saw you know the dinosaurs and stuff like that and that was we I think after that we ran out of time but just that I mean it, I mean that took us I mean that was all day right um, yeah yeah we went and we went and saw the uh what is it? Oh, the Washington Monument and uh, we saw the uh, statue of Lincoln. Um, cause you know, it's all right there in that, in a row. Right. Um, and, uh, but it was really cool. Yeah. Was... What I keep thinking about when I was going through this, my grandfather fought, uh, in world war two, he was over in Italy and, and all over Europe, but he was in Italy quite a bit. And he said at one point him and his, his group were following the railroad tracks out in the middle of nowhere and they came upon a bunch of boxcars. And they were sitting there thinking, well, that's kind of weird. Why are there a bunch of boxcars out here? Then they started hearing voices. Then the Nazis had rounded up a bunch of people of all ages, stuffed them as tightly as they possibly could so like no one could sit or fall mm-hmm. and just left them out there. I mean, yeah. there were people that who were standing next to someone they loved who was dead and couldn't fall yeah. to the ground. Yeah. So... They, of course, my grandfather was always a very proactive individual. So he was like, do not give them food. Do not give them water. And I remember being little when he was telling me this. And I was like, why wouldn't you do that? Because they've been out there for days. If they right. had tried, if they had tried to give them anything, these people would have. Yes, they would have lost their they cookies. Anyways. Yeah. Yes. So they called it in and said, this is what's going on. This is their location. You have to come and take care of them. Yeah. And they did. But grandpa and his, and his group had to keep on going. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, you know, it's horrible for them, but it's cool that, you know, that he was able to, you know, hopefully save as many as they could. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so if you, like I said, if you ever get the opportunity, um, go, it's a great place. You know, it's, they have, you know, s- stories, you know, about several of the people that were there and, 
and uh, of course, you know, all the gas chambers and, you know, right. the, the story of, you know, everything. And it's a, it's a great um, museum about it. Um, all right. So back to the story here. Um, so the, uh, the Jewish Avengers actions were not universally supported. Some Jewish leaders and politicians felt that their actions were a form of vigilantism and could harm the image of the Jewish people in the eyes of the world. The Israeli government eventually disbanded the group and outlawed their activities, though some of them did return to Germany with the intention of continuing the mission while others stayed in the Holy Land to try and move on. The story is a complex one, and opinions are divided around the world on their actions. Some see them as heroes who took a stand against injustice, while others view them as an unsanctioned force out for vengeance taking the law into their own hands. Regardless of one's opinion, as we've clearly stated our own, yeah. Uh, their story highlights the deep trauma and pain suffered by Holocaust survivors and the lengths to which they would go to seek justice. Yeah, and like I was saying, like, I mean, I I think they would be rightfully... Um, the only... I, I, I agree. The only problem I have was they were sitting there thinking... I read it at one point. I didn't put it in here. I am now. Um, their whole plan was... So you guys killed, what was it, 8 million? Something like that, yeah. Something like that of of our people. Indiscriminately, we're going to kill 8 million of yours. Yeah. And I don't know that I would fully agree with that. I'm not going to go right, and kill an innocent child because their parent was a dick. Yeah, I wouldn't. Pardon yeah. my language. No, but I, I will mean, take out their parent. Right, I mean, children don't choose their parents. I mean, that's just, that's not fair. That wouldn't be fair to the children, of course. Right. Um, I mean, I would never harm a child, you know, if, we would never harm a child, you know, to begin with. But and I totally right. agree. Like, and that's what I was, that's what I was getting ready to say. Like, I think that they they would be to a point justified in what they were doing, but at the same time, you have other morals that right. should come into play. Like, you know, two wrongs, you know, don't make a right. You know, yes, it's horrible what they did to you, but they, you know, the right. Nazis, they were not. You know, they were not just set free and, you know, like, oh, they were rounded up. They were sent to prisons. And there were a um, lot no, of them not, who didn't want to do that. But if they didn't, they, their right. families would die. Right. And that was the other thing. You know, they they were essentially being held hostage. Now, a lot of them, yes, they absolutely did want to do that. And they did, you know, um, they were very hurtful people and or hateful people. And yeah. And, and it should be weighed. That kind of thing should be weighed. It shouldn't necessarily, in my personal opinion, I'm not, you know, condemning them or raising right. them up either which way, but it needs to be weighed. Is right. what Especially, this person did, It does it deserve that kind of action? Right. Um, I'm very the, much a punishment should fit the crime kind of thing. Right, exactly. And, you know, and especially the, the younger teenagers that were forced to Yes. Well, and they were brainwashed so intensely. Right. They're very susceptible at such a young age. And, and, uh, I mean, anybody can easily be manipulated to, mm -hmm. to a certain perspective. And I remember seeing, I don't remember how long ago it was. It was a, uh, it was a YouTube or Facebook, you know, one of those reels or whatever. I think one of those shorts, mm -hmm. um, where the professor was talking about the two circles. Um, have you seen that video where he's talking about there's a blue circle and a red circle? And he's like, and he tells him, he's like, they are not equal. 
Um, and but you look at them, I mean, they they look equal. And so he's like, I want half the class, or I want, I want. If you think the red circle is bigger, raise your hand. If you think the blue circle is bigger, raise your hand. Um, and they all, you know, separately, you know, raise their hands, or whatever. And he's like, okay, great. Now I'm going to tell you, in fact, um, that these two circles are equal. So I made you make a decision that one was larger based than the other. Based on color, right. Based on color. You you avoided your own instincts to look at them and say, no, they are equal. When, in fact, yes, they were. But because he told them that they were not, they immediately believed that they were not. Um, and it, and the, the lesson there was how easily you could be manipulated like that. Right. Um, and I remember taking a psychology class in college where we, they, she did something similar. And I remember because it was visual and I'm, I'm naturally an artistic individual, so I can usually mm-hmm. pick up on subtleties like that. I was sitting there going, but they are equal. And right. she's like, no, they're not. I promise you. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So I remember that- sitting there like trying to figure out which and the whole one reason should I go with? Right, and the and the whole reason of being is because why why were you so easily manipulated? Well, it's because teacher is a person who you see as an authority figure, um, and you would not expect them to lie to you, but right. yeah, she just did, and then right. you know blatantly to my face, and I was right. like, <gasps> you know, multiple times, yes. you know, to to prove a point. Um, so it is very easy for. Um, it's understandable how you could lose your way when you have an authority figure you're supposed to trust telling you lies. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. To better understand the Nakam, we need to explore the historical context in which they operated. The Holocaust was one of the most horrific events in human history, and its effects were felt long after the end of the war. So that's that's correct to a point. Um, that yes, it absolutely is one of the most horrific events in human history. And there are people who still don't believe it happened. I know it's ridiculous. just like people, you know, the the flat earthers and like <sighs> come on. Lord. One of the only other major horrific events in history that I can think of besides the Holocaust is when we dropped the atomic bombs. Well, there was definitely it was um, around the same time too, but you remember it was. like learning about Genghis Khan, the the attack of yeah. the Huns? I mean, that was we every generation, every couple, you know, every hundred years has its own horrifying thing. Because history repeats itself. It yeah. does. But have you noticed that in the last couple of millennia, we have ramped it up, and I think it has oh, to yeah. do with the new technology and oh, more yeah. modernization. I think it's just the progression. That's why there's that saying like, "There will be a World War Three. There will not be a World War Four, because at World War Three, it will involve." nuclear warheads and stuff and we most likely will wipe ourselves out right for the most part <laughs> so i mean if there's any yeah. survivors i mean they'd be hard pressed to you know it would be several thousand it would be several thousand years most likely if not longer um for them to uh uh come back to where we're at right now. yeah um if even it's that's if it's the world still habitable well that too yeah like how much you know you'd be forced to go well they'd be forced to go underground for the most part right um mole have, people yeah mole exactly mole people um from uh the time machine the morlocks, oh, no, that was, uh, the morlocks. That was, yeah that's what i was thinking of yeah the yes. morlocks. and uh yeah i and, loved that story so much yeah um but that's, I mean, that's, you know, it's just things that 
you know, like you're saying, you know, that's we repeat ourselves. History we do. does repeat itself. So, it's not always the exact same thing, but it does. It, it's exactly. Yeah. And one of the things too is the Holocaust and like Hiroshima bombings. The reason why it's so big and I think sticks in our heads was a hundred years, almost a hundred years later. Right. Is because we had worldwide communication we that had it wouldn't allow us to forget. Right. Yes. And we had it in newspapers, on TV shows. Right. I mean, there. of course, it took them a while. I remember Grandpa telling me about that. When he got back to the States after the war, it took them well into the 50s to finally admit, over here in the U.S. at least, mm-hmm. that it had happened. Right. They were kept going, no, that, that didn't happen over there. And yeah. Soldiers were coming back and going, it bloody well did. I saw it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. For anyone that's listening and has to hear the weird little dog barking in the background, that's my black pug. Her name is Toph Bay Fong, and she can be a brat. Uh, so, but, so like I was to say, something like that, I mean, that, everybody pretty much agreed after that, um, hey, nuclear weapons are bad. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I mean, for one, that was the end of the war. You know, we we put the end of the war to that because, you know, after they saw that, they were like, oh, crap, you know. What have we done? We probably shouldn't. Yeah, what have we done, right? You you awoken the the sleeping monster, essentially, because that's exactly what happened. We we were staying neutral, and then Japan came and bombed us, and we said, nope, that's it. And it forced them into neutrality. Did you? you, I'm sure you know that because you were there, but mm -hmm. I... When I found that out, I was like, really? To be clear, I was not there during World War II. No, no. During the time. <laughs> I mean, it's your fault. You, sh- you could have gone. Right. right. <laughs> no, but, I, w- I was um, stationed in Japan, though, yeah. Right. But, I mean, it's just it's crazy to think that it, it after what we did with Hiroshima, we're totally off topic, but... Bucky, stop. That's okay. After, after what happened with Hiroshima, they were like, okay, no more. Uh-huh. We're done. We're we'll, not going to be fighting. We're not we'll going to have. We'll be your army. friends now. Yes, everybody's friends. Because that's exactly what happened shortly after that. Um, and you know, yeah, there was a neutral. You know, for well, there was a new a worldwide neutral for a long time. Um, for like twenty years or whatever, and then, um, of course, the uh, uh, Vietnam and all that happened. So, right. Which was in the seventies, uh, I believe. I don't remember. I'm terrible with sure. war history. Ditto. Which is why we're doing the past. Or which is why we're exactly. doing this. But yeah, so I mean, you know, and it it caused a big, you know, neutrality. And you know, now Japan is one of our biggest allies. So um I hear it's okay. You what? I hear it's okay. You hear it's just okay. Like nonstop like Chasing well, it's because they're they're blowing up fireworks right. out there, and it's relentless. And each day, as we get closer to the fourth, they blow up more, and they do it like longer and longer. Yeah. And she, Bucky's losing his mind. He's over here quivering underneath my chair, oh. and it makes her mad because yeah. you know pugs. They don't right. understand that they're tiny. She's gonna go out there and whoop someone's backside. Yeah, like little rat terriers are the same way. Yes. And, uh, or chihuahuas, for that matter. I mean, any. I mean, a lot of little dogs. I mean, really. I mean, they yeah. they don't realize how small they are and. They'll take one no. anyway. They don't care. She's got little tiny nubby teeth that really don't do much damage, but still, she's going to whoop yeah. someone. Oh, my gosh. So. Um, Anyways. 
Yeah. This all began in 1933 when Adolf Hitler and his Nazi party came into power in Germany, promising restoration after the First World War. Uh, they implemented a policy of anti-Semitism and gradually stripped Jews of their rights, their property, and their dignity. In 1941, the Nazis began the Final Solution, a plan to systematically exterminate the Jews of Europe. The legacy of the Jewish Avengers is still felt today. Their actions have been the subject of books, movies, and documentaries, and their story has become part of Jewish folklore. The Jewish Avengers serve as a reminder that the atrocity of the Holocaust should never be forgotten and that justice should always be sought for those who have been wronged. Their actions have been the subject of books, movies, and documentaries, and their story has become part of Jewish folklore. Their story serves as a cautionary tale about the dangers of intolerance, hatred, and the abuse of power. Thanks for listening to Smarticus Tells History. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review and make sure to subscribe. And be sure to follow the show at facebook.com slash History, or just click the link in the show description. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.